0: Uh, what i want to talk about tonight and what i was offering uh an invitation to was uh mudita which is appreciative joy tim you were talking about the four abodes and this is one of what's called the uh the the brahma viharas or the sublime abodes that that place of really sweetness it's a, it's such an awkward phrase divine abodes but it's that place that's that 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 loveliness of the heart there are four heart practices I'm sure you all know what they are they're uh, loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy oftentimes called sympathetic joy uh, and equanimity and mudita I want to talk about mudita mudita the word actually means to be pleased and have a sense of gladness and the Buddha says it's a mind, del- a mind deliverance of gladness. So it's like this, this delivery system of gladness to you, um, and it's for the good fortune of others. Whether it's your your son getting a goal in soccer or starting college or a friend retiring, it's this 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 happiness for the good fortune of others and. Um, I know in my experience, it was really hard. It was like the most difficult one of all the four Brahma Viharas. And I'm, you know, everything I read about it, or a lot of the things I read about Mudita, it says it is the most challenging because there are so many things that get in the way. And so I wanted to talk about Mudita tonight because it is really important. And if you can get to a place of appreciative joy for others, there's a tremendous amount of freedom there there's a tremendous amount of freedom because what that means is you've gotten rid of everything that gets in the way of joy which is not a bad thing to think about it that way it's like when we talk about the hindrances and the seven factors of awakening the hindrances are what get in the way of awakening and so you want to want to recognize what they are and and let go of them and cultivate the ones that take you towards awakening and liberation so Sharon Salzberg has written the book um, on the four uh, heart practices the four Brahma Viharas Uh, it's called loving kindness if you've not seen it which I can't imagine anyone has not seen it, it's called Loving Kindness by Sharon Salzberg, and it's called The Revolutionary Art of Happiness. So she talks about Mudita, and she talks a lot about what gets in the way, and so I just wanted to go through these, because um, Sharon, you even mentioned one of them when you were were talking about your friend, but she says um, uh, one of them is judgment, and when someone else experiences, um, whatever it is. And I, let me like, take a step back. When I say good fortune, it's wholesome, good fortune. It's not good fortune based on, you know, greed or, 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 causing harm. Um, you know, like knocking somebody over the head and taking their wallet. So now they have extra money. Yay. No, it's not good. Celebrating that it's wholesome, wholesome, good fortune. Um, like getting a soccer goal or starting college and being happy or you know getting a job or um, whatever whatever we can think of that brings someone happiness and so judging that is really um, judging gets in the way it is really about um, judgment is about thinking that and this goes in for me when I think about this dismissiveness. Is also something else that gets in the way. This judgment, this dismissiveness, this thinking that um, yeah, but who would want that? You know, who would want that? And it's a way of um, deflecting our craving or our aversion. Because what gets what ultimately what's getting gets in the way is greed or hatred, aversion. And so they show up as these things. They show up as judgment. Breed shows up as judgment. Um, I, I wouldn't want that. So how could you want that? I, this came up, um, I was doing, I'm doing the uh, Year to Live um, class, and I was talking about this at the last session on Sunday. And I told this story, some of you may have heard this, um, about the Rose Parade here in southern california on new year's day they have the the this amazing rose parade with all these floats and things and um people spend the night they sleep out on the street in pasadena so that they have a good space and i have never had any interest in that whatsoever and so i used to get really judgy really judgy about it and i'm like you know at very dismissive and judgy um really want to diminish their experience, diminish their joy, and it um, it's really not a pleasant place to be, if you think about it, if you get into this place of judgment, and it's, um, it's a very small place, it's a very contracted place, and it is um, not fun, because it's a place of aversion, of not liking, of judging. And you know, the mind tends to go towards judgment and these, these different places um, on its own. Just kind of this, this uh, what's the word? This, this evolutionary uh, way we take care of ourselves, always kind of judging what's safe, what's not safe, comparing is this going to be all right? Is, am I safe? Are you a predator? Or am I prey? Um, so that is its original foundations for these kinds of, of of experiences, but those days are gone, and now we do it just because somebody likes the Rose Parade and you don't. And this is a really simple experience, but it's so easy to judge people. I judge. I used to judge people at airports all the time, or judge people at in Vegas. I don't know why. Anywhere there's a large clump of people I don't know, I can just sit there and judge. And it kind of goes in hand in hand with comparing, which Sharon mentions as the next one, where we um, put ourselves at the forefront and then look at other people and then judge ourselves based on other people and whether we find them to be better or worse. And so there's this comparing mind. So there's judging and comparing. And it's all, it's a lot of self um it's a lot of ego it's a lot of me it's a lot of centering ourselves and that you know that centering of ourselves is really a a place of a lot of pain is a place of a lot of suffering it's a place of a lot of discomfort because there's you may have heard this phrase that i love compare and despair there's no way out when you when you compare there's always something else there's always something else You know, we're defining ourselves by labels or what we think about others. Um, So this judging and comparing, to me, kind of walk hand in hand. It's it's how am I compared to them? Are they doing it right? Are they doing it wrong? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? So there's this level of good, bad, wrong, right. Um, And we live in a culture that fosters this absolutely fosters this if you think about it and I read I read an article last week when I when I opened a new tab in my browser um, it always comes up with these articles that I might be interested in and there was one that I, I chose to read specifically because I knew it and it would annoy me and it was like the 10 things you're not supposed to wear anymore you know, those, those kinds of things. And it was, um, now that you're going to emerge from the pandemic, make sure you get rid of all these things because people will just know you're dating and you're dating yourself. And they were really stupid things. Um, most of which I don't even know what they are, but there was one that it was, um, uh, booty socks, you know, the little, the little pads that you wear and in, in sneakers. Um, And they're like, oh no, you can't, don't, don't wear those. You can't wear those anymore. Now you have to get socks with anklets. And it's like, because people, and I'm like, who makes this stuff up? People make this stuff up. A, obviously we know it's consumerism. Get rid of the stuff that's a year old and buy something new. Fluffy jackets that are those poofy jackets, those are out. If you have one, don't ever take it out of your closet. Skinny jeans are out. Don't wear those. I mean, it's like, I just want to say, fuck you. Um, because it's like, no, no. It's like, this is nonsense. This, this sets up this comparing. This sets up this judgment. This sets up all those things that make us feel worse about ourselves. I can't afford to go out and buy all those, so I'm going to walk around shamed. It sets up shame uh, if you're into it. So, we live in a culture that supports this stuff. So, to really cultivate an awareness and feel what that's like in your body when you're paying attention to it, if you find yourself in that place of, oh, I can't wear this, oh, I sh- should, where's that in your body? You know, really start paying attention to that uh, experience. Uh, the next one Sharon talks about is prejudice, not the, you know, systemic racism or misogyny, but really just um, people we don't like, you know, I just don't like you, you know, um, because and it's a lot of this is our conditioning. I was uh, dumped. I've said this a lot. I was dumped by someone um, who left me for a woman from Boston, so and she had red hair. So for years, I didn't like people with red hair who had Boston accents. I just had that prejudice against them. And they were could have been lovely people, but I had this <clears throat> internal experience towards them. And so um, this practice asks me to be happy for them. Or people, co-workers that I didn't like, I didn't get along with you know, how do, how do I deal with that, and so I I haven't mentioned it, but the, the, the practice through all of this is to really cultivate this, this, um, this happiness for the good fortune of people we judge, or people we compare, or people we don't like, I remember doing that at work, because, what will you get into this idea of there's this this zero sum game that if they get theirs there won't be enough for me? It was especially hard at work because I always thought that if I didn't get the recognition or if they didn't know I was doing it, that somebody else got patted on the back, then I, there was you know then it was all over. I was probably going to get fired, and so I would feel really a lot of churning, a lot of um, moving into and. En- envy or jealousy for them because they did get recognized and I'm like yeah but what about me what about me so you can see there's a lot of overlapping in these different things and about the people we don't like Sharon has a quote from from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow which I really really like around this he said, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. You know, when I, it's, it's it's such an important line to recognize that everyone is is um, subject to the human condition. Although when I get into these places of judgment and comparing and prejudice and being demeaning or dismissive and, ugh, who are they? Blah you know unworthy of my kindness unworthy of me wishing them well i've created as we we talk about a lot that cardboard cutout it's like ugh you know and um we so we're lost in in comparing and judging and demeaning and envy and selfishness you know i want mine because I think there's not enough to go around. I think it's Pema Chodron talks about, we come from this place of lack. We live in a society that has created this idea of lack because they need to sell more stuff. It's a very consumer-driven society. So we're always thinking we need the newer, better, shinier version. Planned obsolescence. What is it? Which which iPhone just came out last week? I don't know. I don't have iPhones. Um, but, like, version 14 or something, it's, like, this continually, oh, no, you need this camera, you need this, you need this, and it's, like, no, you don't. I have a 23-year-old car with 300 and something thousand miles on it. It looks like a piece of crap, but it runs great, you know, because I don't need another one. My husband drives that, and so I did, I got, I I had one, and then I did get another car a couple of months ago because the other one ran into the ground. But I keep it was like 14 years old, and it's like oh, it finally gave up the ghost. So okay, I'm done with that. Now I get another one, and and it's three years old, but it runs great anyway. So that's me. But to step outside of that, that culture that we live in that says you have to do this, and um, creates this sense of competition. It really makes mudita difficult because we think we're in competition with everyone. Where's mine? You can't have yours. And there's that that sense of schadenfreude, you know, where we celebrate the misfortune of others. It's a great German word. You know, oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Ha, 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 not really because that means that I might get the benefit of your misfortune or whatever. So really to watch that, that is such a, uh, a place of isolation when we get caught into those. When we get caught in those places, it doesn't feel good. And it's really um, challenging. And there's there's this one, I found this one um, uh, quote where this one man, this person, C.F. Knight, I don't know if it's a, who it is or what their name is. He's, he, they say um talking about these these um these enemies of mudita and joy for others which is what they're called the enemies and how they show up um it's craving it's craving you know this it's that root of suffering that causes, that gives rise to jealousy, envy, covetousness, avarice, and greed in all of its manifestations. Here it is that mudita, when practiced and developed, becomes a sublime and boundless state of mind to be dwelt in as a corrective characteristic for their removal. So when we get caught in these places of judging and comparing and dismissiveness and and selfishness when we're caught up in, I need to make sure I'm, I'm taken care of. I need what I want when I want it. The antidote is mudita. Is, you know what? I'm really happy for you. As difficult as that feels. As challenging as it is. Because it is incredibly challenging because we're so conditioned. To make sure we have what we want and what we need. That um, it's worth the effort, it's worth the practice, it's incredibly difficult. Um, one, of the, um, one important point about the Brahma Viharas is, is to recognize that the, they are all unconditional. We don't get to be happy for people, only people we like. But we get to be happy for people we don't like. We get to celebrate the joy for all beings um, And I'm laughing because I've come a tremendous way, but I re- and, and um, I'm so grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that because that that place of of comparing and judging and dismissing is so small and so tight and so constricted. If you think about the people you, you you have those experiences around that you like no I don't ever want them to be happy or no there's this there's that um aversion that's inside that can it's never pleasant. I mean maybe we think it is, but it's not necessarily um beneficial in the long run and it's what the Buddha asks us to really let go of and so just as there are enemies and in um of these 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 qualities mudita um. loving kindness compassion there are also allies and allies um is one of the allies in mudita is this um mudita depends on our capacity to take active delight in things so we can even start with ourselves can we take delight in things or do we judge our own happiness do we judge our own joy that can get in the way not deserving you know let ourselves feel joy without guilt it's incredibly um, freeing to do that but it takes work it's um, it has a real impact on our own lives when we allow ourselves to feel that joy and I talk about this a lot I ask um, folks in the morning meditation Um, just about every day if there's any joy in their lives because we need to recognize that. Rick Hansen talks about how it has such a beneficial impact on the brain to see the joy in our lives and let go of the judging. I mean, Mudita, traditionally you don't offer Mudita for yourself, but to be able to take delight in your own experience is really important. I was listening to a podcast last week, code switch and they were talking about some books and they one of the books they talked about was called it was by a poet named ross gay and it's called the book of delights and he decided one year on his birthday that every day he would write an essay about something that delighted him just It could be, obviously, if you're going to do it for 365 days. I don't think he did all 365 days, but per year. Um, if you're going to write about things that delight you, you're going to write about... They were talking about, on the podcast, they were talking about how he was writing about bindweed, which I guess in some is a weed in certain parts of the country that just takes over everything. It made me think of morning glories here in Los Angeles, if anybody those morning glories they just like they're pretty but they take over and then you know three months later you're like i hate you i hate you because i do say that often to morning glories um when they take over the little things that i want to have um so even delight in anything so it's a practice just like mindfulness is a practice it's a practice allow yourself to take delight in things like the moon this week was extraordinary Do you take delight in that? Even my silly cats, I take delight in their stupid punching each other in the face. It's cute and it's sweet. And, And what that does, it allows that judgment to drop away. It allows that comparing to drop away. The other side of that or another piece, another ally to support this practice is gratitude. That's so important. I do it at the end of every meditation. What are you grateful for? It gets rid of that judging, it gets rid of that that harsh mind that's saying you're not good enough, or that sense of lack. It's like, oh, wait, you know what? I'm really grateful because I have a lot of booties, booty socks, so I don't have to go out and buy new high-fashion anklet socks, you know, or whatever. Um, I'm grateful. So to find gratitude, you know, people do that, those... um, a lot of people do gratitude lists you know they, they they do a list of five things a day they're grateful for or things like something like that I did uh, and I was facilitating an awakening joy class P- folks got together and and um, a lot of times shared their gratitude lists with each other or texted each other once a day what one thing you're grateful for just to keep that you know just as as we do keeping mindfulness at the forefront Keeping this practice of softening and opening the heart and letting go of those those constrictions and those tight 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 things that keep us so knotted up and caught up in these fixed views about the way things should be. Um, another another way to support mudita is to see is to to really understand the dharma and how it's greed. And aversion and ignorance that causes this uh, causes us to get caught up in these, these, um, uh, these places of discomfort, of gre, or judgment, envy. It's that thinking it's supposed to be a certain way or it's not supposed to be a certain way and to see that greed hatred and delusion are you know the defilements the three poisons they call them the three defilements are really what get in the way of our freedom and our ease and our happiness and if we can see how judgment is caught up in that greed and and comparing and envy is all about that we'll we'll do the work to let go of it all these teachings point to that so to 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 really um spend some time with the teachings and understanding that um compassion also supports it this learning to have compassion for ourselves compassion for each other it's really it's really um a way to bring ourselves closer to each other having compassion for ourselves allows us to have compassion for others it's uh, it has, again, that beneficial impact on the brain. There's a neuroscientific explanation for this. It cultivates that, that part of the brain where we do develop empathy. Excuse me, and empathy support, I mean, excuse me, compassion supports mudita, and mudita supports compassion. So to begin to cultivate both of them at the same time, and that there's even joy when there's pain, there can be joy in the midst of sorrow. To not think it's not possible is a fixed idea. To be present. I talked about, you know, the the invitation in meditation was to abide in the present. So to abide in the present is to be fully aware of what's happening. There can be sorrow. There can be pain. And then when you're present, you can see, oh, look, there's some joy here, too. There's an ability to be with whatever's there and allow that joy, revel in that joy, take delight in that joy. Take even delight in the ability to feel pain, that we can be present with it. It's really important. Um, and then we see others' happiness as our own. I have this other quote um, When we can view the success of others with the same equanimity and to the same extent as we would extend loving kindness and compassion to those who suffer grief and distress, then we are beginning to exercise mudita and are in the process of eradicating greed and craving. Developing it still further, we can reach the stage of sharing with others their joy of possession, their financial or social successes, their elevations to positions of civic or national importance, or the receipt of titles and honorifics. In such a manner, Mudita is counteractive to conceits of all kinds and its growth and development checks, cravings, grip. So if we can um, view others' success with equanimity and recognize it's not about us, take ourselves out of the picture, then we can be happy for whatever success comes for them. Because it's not about us. There's this openness. It's not about if you get yours and I won't get mine. That's that caught. That's being caught in craving. Um, yeah, it's uh, we see the happiness of others as our own. And there's one of my favorite quotes from Voltaire: "Appreciation, because appreciative joy makes what is excellent in others belong to us as well." It's really beautiful when we don't have this aversion to the happiness of others even if we don't like them even if we don't hang around with them i had to start practicing this with folks at work i wasn't fond of i would say bless their hearts i'm not southern i'm from new york so i don't have that southern idea of the the little um, cynical way that southerners say bless their hearts um i actually tried to mean bless their hearts it was the phrase that came to me and it worked it's this it's this it's this you know do it anyway it's that's the practice you know when we do the loving kindness practice when we do the compassion practice when we do the mudita practice we do it traditionally you know the phrases are we like i said we don't do it for ourselves but we do it for someone who we know who has joy, like I did at the beginning uh, of, this, of, of the talk. Is there someone you know who has joy in their lives? Think about them and, and reflect and think about that. Ha- may their happiness continue. Offer this li- these little phrases of Mudita. May their happiness and joy increase. May it never leave them you know wishing well for others um then and then traditionally then the next one we, we do we would bring in a, a benefactor if we were doing a formal mudita practice because this practice really needs to be cultivated because it is so damn hard so thinking about someone who has been really helpful to us supportive may their joy increase may it continue then a neutral person, like the person who works at the 7-Eleven, uh, may their joy increase. Random people in the airport, I did this practice there. You know, air, like I said, airports are really a place of judgment for me. So I had to intentionally shift it to a heart practice none of this none of it was personal it was just the 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 training of the mind and so it's like okay let's retrain it into something more beneficial that fits that brings me joy as well it's like oh yeah i want you to be happy if you're happy if you're if you see a family members you reunited it's like oh may your joy continue and then as always we are invited to offer mudita for difficult people we don't get to pick and choose who gets to be happy. We don't get to pick and choose who gets to have joy in their lives. If we really want to come to this, if we really want to embody this, we have to be willing to be happy for all and wish joy to um, continue for all beings. You know? the, uh, the Buddha said... How do we practice this? A disciple lets his mind pervade one quarter of the world with thoughts of unselfish joy, and the second quarter, and the third quarter, and so forth. Let their mind pervade all quarters, the whole wide world. Above, below, around, everywhere. And equally, he continues to pervade with a heart of unselfish joy. Abundant, grown great, measureless, without hostility or ill will. That means like everywhere, all the time, everyone. We let, we, we, we. Everywhere we look, we want to have unselfish joy for the good fortune of others. May their happiness continue. And just like when you cultivate compassion for yourself, somehow it allows you to feel more compassionate towards others, the more you practice mudita, it tends to intensify. It tends to grow. For others, so um, these heart practices are incredibly important. And mudita, in seeing the difficulties it causes, and being aware of when we get a little snarky, and when we get a little judgy, and determine, well, not that person. That person, yes, or not, but not that person. Recognize the what's coming up and then see internally what might be underneath it oh there's some fear a lot of this stuff is fear driven that we're not going to be okay or we're going to lose the things we have or not get the things we need to be okay so see that a lot of this a lot of it is fear that that craving that aversion that's underneath it or sometimes just plain delusion just not seeing clearly oh i'm lost in i'm lost in this craving maybe i can let it go and just be happy for them practice it try it on um and how do you do it the in the vasudhi which is where it really spelled out the um the the heart practices how do you dwell in this place pervading all directions with your heart imbued with unselfish joy just as you would be joyful on seeing a dear and beloved person. Imagine what it's like to see someone you haven't seen in a while. That's, that's true a lot right now when we're starting to see people we haven't seen in a while because we're starting to travel and, and be together. Um, what's that feel like? See if you can ha- have that feeling. You're in, what the intention is to have that feeling for everyone. Cultivate that for all beings. May everyone's um, happiness and joy increase. May it never leave them. So Mudita, challenging. One of the most difficult ones because it's so entangled with our craving and aversion. Um, yeah, I, I, just one last story. I remember when I was a little kid, and my, my neighbor up the block, I, I must have broken one of her toys. I think we were like seven years old. Must have broken one of her toys because her mother said that I had to give her one of mine in return to make up for what she broke. I don't even remember the story. It was a long time ago. And I remember her coming and I had a little toy box and she opened my toy box and was going to pick something. And she picked something that I hadn't played with in uh, forever forever but I didn't want it just because I didn't want it didn't mean I wanted her to have it and I that continued I mean so this stuff is in us from a very young age that continued um for a long part of my life including in relationships if I would break up with someone and then I saw them dating someone else it's like "Hmm, maybe I want you back because you know just because I don't want you doesn't mean I want anybody else to have you. I want to be able to have it all, to make myself feel better inside. So the invitation is to let go and be happy for their joy. Be happy for it. It's really worth, it's worth the effort. Having spent a lot of time working on this and really being happy for people, um, like a couple of years ago the Rose Parade was rained out, and I was really sad for the people who didn't get a chance to see it. And I'm like, wow, where did that come from? It could only come from this. It could only come from this. I can tell you a lot of other stories or anecdotes about people I'm happy for that I can't believe I'm happy for. I mean, stupid things like sports teams, that teams I don't like, I'm happy for their fans. And I'm like, what is that? That's how this stuff works. So... Anyway, thank you, my friends, for listening, um, and I hope you find some joy. Don't miss the joy, because it's there. Thank you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma.